0: Welcome to Right Thinking with Steve Copeland. I'm your host, Steve Copeland, and thank you for tuning in. Let's have a great day. Good morning, everybody. Glad to be with you. Well, today's episode number 287, Right Thinking with Steve Copeland is very pleased to announce that this week's show is called Where Your Heart Lives with guest Cindy Stover. Tune in and hear Steve and Cindy have an engaging conversation about how when your heart is in the right place, opportunities will present themselves. You never know when good fortune will come your way. Well, hey, I am so, so happy and excited today to bring Cindy on because I got a call just the other day just out of the blue, and uh, it was good fortune for me, and I'm going to share that with you in a minute as we bring Cindy on. Cindy, thanks for wanting to do this today.
1: Thanks for having me, Steve.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Um, I've been doing a, a series that my wife suggested that I do instead of my normal close to one hour. I started doing about 30 minutes. I did five weeks in a row of 30 minutes where I sort of built a theme, and I, each week I kind of picked up where I left off. And last week's show was on, uh, on wisdom. Uh, the name of it was Wisdom, the Stage Before Peace. And I, I didn't want to talk about peace too much, just a little bit, but I said that sometime in the next week or couple of weeks, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about peace more, um, because that's kind of like the progression of human beings. We want to kind of grow and learn and, and, and get more, more peace out of life. Well, when you called me, though, I was working on my, uh, my show that I was going to do this week on peace. But I said, "Hey, let's put a pause on that for a minute because, uh, you know, I'm a patient guy." The reason is, what you said you'd like to do and get to know me more and and work with the organization, perhaps Right Thinking Foundation, is a real opportunity. It's a real blessing for for all those that I'm trying to reach, and and to those of you that are listening. I want to talk about how Cindy and I met because Cindy doesn't know me very well at all. Y'all know me a lot better than Cindy does. And so I just want to put this out there, Cindy. Right Thinking with Steve Copeland is a show dedicated to helping anyone who is experiencing hardship and those that want to be there for them. So, Cindy, would you like to, to talk about why don't we start with how you met me and then why you called me?
1: Well, we met. Um... At and you probably don't even remember me. Um, you spoke at my Rotary Club. I do, remember you. Cindy. I do
0: remember you. You do were so you? nice to see me. That oh yeah. You're oh nice.
1: thank nice. you. Well, you um, you were speaking on behalf of another organization, not Right Thinking Foundation, but you gave me your Right Thinking Foundation business card. And, um, I, and I, I, unfortunately, because it's so many months ago, I didn't even really recall a lot about your, a sum about your life, but not much about your life story or anything along those lines. And you, you're a very personable speaker. So you definitely shared a lot of yourself in, in your presentation. Um, and I, um, was going through my cards and I came across your card and I was like, this is a nice fit. Like this might be an organization that can um Use some of my services, and um at least their benefactors could use some of my services. Um, do I? Do you want me to talk about that now? I don't. Oh, uh, yeah. Me, yeah, I just that—that's how we met, and and I—I I was really impressed with your just your transparency. That—that's a big gauge for me. When somebody speaks so personably and from the heart, that—that that means everything to me. So it was. Um, I kept your card because of that.
0: I do appreciate that. Um, I just want to slip this in, then I do want to talk about what your services are and, and, and the interesting part here. You know, how is it in life that we go through life and then, you know, things happen that we didn't expect? Um, and one of the titles that I thought I might use, but I saved it for another show someday maybe, is What Goes Around Comes Around. And here's, here's what I'm trying to say, and it's going to broaden our theme today. Cindy doesn't know anything at all about my career. What I talked about that day was it was a fundraiser for LLS, the Light the Night, um, through another nonprofit organization that uh, was was founded to raise funds for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And uh, I'm I'm the poster child a couple of years ago for they call me the I like this because superhero. Uh, I, I speak in front of organizations about 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 cancer, blood cancer, and um, everybody that's listening to the show, Cindy, knows that that's one of the one of the things that I have to go with, go through in my life, and I'm always talking about, you know, not giving up, persevering, et cetera. And so Cindy only knew me that day through I I, I spoke all about my cancer journey, and and my my main theme that day was to have people know that the cure is coming. We're raising money for Leukemia Lymphoma Society. They're the largest fundraiser in, in the world. They've raised like billions of dollars in the last 35 years to fight, to do the research to find the cure for blood cancer. And so my, my theme that day that I really, really enjoyed speaking about was stay as healthy as you can. Don't give up because the cure is coming and it's gonna, it's gonna take funding to, uh, to find the cure. But it's coming, and you don't want to be one of these people that that got real depressed and got kicked down and just was like, well, I'm, uh, my life's over because I've got cancer. You know, no, not at all. Just just stay as healthy as you can because when the cure is here, you want to be healthy enough to receive the cure. But but then I branched into why you want to give funds, not so much for the person that is the patient, not so much. You know, I don't want to call us victims. We're not victims. We're we're just people that happen to have a, a, a disease of sorts, a condition. But what I talked about was think about how much you're loved. And that's one reason that I got Cindy on the show now is, is that I want everybody listening to be thinking about your life. Think about where you are in life and, and know that we can't do it alone and that you want to do the very best you can with your life, not just for yourself, but because of all the people that love you. And, and, and I, and I acknowledge that day that I know how much I'm loved and, and that's a, that's a wonderful responsibility that I gladly accept. So with that said, that's all Cindy really knows about me is that I was there talking about, you know, my, my cancer journey, but Cindy, what you don't know about me is that your career, your business career and my business career are so almost identical in many, many ways. So before I share anything at all about it, Tell me about your services and your career, and how you got to where you are in in your place in life right now.
1: Um, currently, I'm just opening um, a tax accounting firm. The primary the primary service that I provide is tax resolution of all sorts for federal taxes, state taxes, business taxes. Um, I like to help people disentangle that those issues. I mean, they're scary, and it's something I'm good at, so it's something I can help people with. Um, before that, I, um, I've worked in and out of accounting firms, but the majority of the time I've been in, um, technology-based businesses and, um, my background is in business and technology. So <clears throat> I am, um, even my firm now is like a technical firm that does accounting basically. Um, we, I personally started out in, um, physics. I wanted to be an astronaut and <laughs> ended up, Going back to school for computer science and then business, um, worked in software development and then um, started my own software company and sold it and um, started doing um, writing business strategies, basically consulting to businesses and helping them to grow and add um, new process improvement plans and um, startups. I do a lot of startups. I help probably one business a week open in some way, shape or form. And um, and I love it. I just love business. They're great employers. They're a great part of our country, great part of our economy. So anyway, I um, I have been fortunate enough to live all over the country and um, even worked in Guam for a little bit. Just um, have just been very fortunate in all of that. And and so what, every business I've ever been in and every company I've ever owned, I um, always made sure that I have a, a pro bono service something that i can give back to the community or i can use my talents and my skills and and what i have to help others and right now um i'm dedicated to doing some pro bono work for the veterans a lot of our homeless veterans are um homeless because they're just stuck there's and a part of their being stuck is their tax issues and they get so behind in their taxes and some of them have lost their homes to it or they've um they've just given up and they don't even know where they are in their tax situation and they don't have the funds to pay. I mean, it's not an inexpensive endeavor to have your taxes repaired. It's less expensive than your tax bill, but it's still costly and it takes a while to do. So, I mean, in their wildest dreams, uh, you know, they wouldn't be able to call someone like me and just say, hey, can you fix my taxes? Here's my credit card. So um, I'm very dedicated to helping them. And which is why I called you because I thought you have a population that you work with that probably is in the same boat and could probably use some of the services as well.
0: That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I, uh, we're going to have to do more than one show, but here's what I'm going to say. I talk a lot. Everybody knows I talk a lot. The, uh, the byline about me talking a lot is, is that people have said to me, Hey, I've got 208. you're my 287th show. So obviously I, I do talk a lot, but but I have some wonderful guests like yourself. And when people say, Steve, you, you talk more than any human being I've ever met. And I'll say, well, you never had the pleasure to meet my mother. My mother <laughs> made me seem like a little child. You know, she could, she could talk, but, but my mother taught me a lot. The main thing my mother taught me is, uh, is to, to love other people. And, uh, and so that's kind of, that's my greatest blessing is that my mother was just a person that loved everybody. And, and I'll say this right now. I love everybody, but I don't always love everybody's behavior. And so bringing you onto the show though, is a welcome relief to my audience. And the reason is, oh, they hear me talk all the time to get to the point about something nice and, um, and you know, I, I like, I like sharing, I like bringing people forward, but what I like more than anything is helping people move themselves forward where I can connect them with someone else. That is exactly what the doctor ordered, so to speak. And when you called me the other day and started telling me that you want to do some pro bono work and that you'd like to get into the uh, population that, you know, the incarceration population that they're coming out, they're going to have a hard time. So, so we're going to focus this on, on that. But before we go further, when I read your bio that I asked you to send me, I picked up 14 different things that you and I share totally. First of all, you didn't know I was an accountant. That's my background. Uh, I'm a chief finance officer, vice president of finance for several companies as we speak right now. I worked with the Small Business Development Center for 15 years, helping small businesses and their startups and things. I uh, I've done tremendous tax accounting works when I was in college. I uh, I had a client I was working with as their bookkeeper that uh, my my accounting my tax accounting professor, the number one guy in Richmond. They got their doors padlocked by the IRS because they owed payroll taxes and uh, they literally had a chain put on their door with a lock and they weren't able to open their doors until they settled up with the IRS. And so my tax professor, I took them to him and he said, hey, Steve, how about you handle their case? I'll just guide you through it. And so that was that was, you know, years and years ago. But we have so much in common. But on the business side, we do. You know, I, I help startups. I help counsel people. I do financial, you know, all that good stuff. And that's one reason why some of my audience and the people that I work with in prisons, my my, my curriculum is personal finance, small business ownership. So, so we dovetail there very easily. But where we really have something in common is that your heart, that's the name of the show today, you know, is where your heart lives. Your heart resides in a beautiful place. You're already acknowledged that that you help veterans, you're helping a lot of other people. I met you through the Rotary Club. So you're a person that likes to give. Another title of the show that I was going to use is uh, it's called The Gift of Yourself. It's a personal story that I picked up when I was traveling, hitchhiking back in my in the 70s. And I met I met someone and I said, so what is the most important thing in life? And Merle the cowboy was who it was. And he said, the gift of yourself, Steve. Now, these things go a long way. So you're into that. But here's the big one and I want you to talk about this for a minute just so people can get to know you because people don't benefit that much from professionals that are that are just well, here's what you need to do I'm going to show you how to budget you need to stick to your budget you got to quit spending money they have to enjoy your company they have to want to listen to you they have to believe in you they have to trust you so we're going to get to Cindy the person for a minute here Cindy I'm a lifetime New York Yankees baseball fan yeah and, really? Oh yeah, yeah. No, we're we're gonna we're gonna go off on the Yankees for a minute, and all you Boston Red Sox fans, I'm so sorry what's happened to you lately, and I'm
1: and, not sorry,
0: he, not at all either.
1: <laughs> i not sorry. the
0: Astros, though. I I I'm a Christian and I believe in forgiveness, but that's a hard that's a hard one to get through because of what they did. But they're a great team right now. But the Los Angeles Dodgers. But here's what I want to come back to the Yankees. You have done something. What I've done in my life, I, I'll pick up the phone and I'll call an organization. When I formed Right Thinking Foundation, I'm a Napoleon Hill. I've been following Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich author, 1937, for my whole life. And when I formed my foundation, uh, gosh, I guess it was in uh, 12, uh, 10, uh, 2012, I said, you know what? I'm gonna call the Napoleon Hill Foundation and introduce myself. And Don Green, the executive director, He's the rock star of motivational speakers, 256 books. He's got his name on. He's, he's just a worldwide you know, famous person here. He answered the phone. And what he said in that first conversation was, well, Steve, I'm glad you called me because we used to have a bigger presence in prisons, but we haven't done that for a long time. We can work with you. And that began a beautiful friendship for me. Well, wow. you have a relationship with the New York Yankees that I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your your Yankee connection.
1: So when I was in college, I was um, I analyzed the statistics, the baseball stats for our our um, fantasy baseball groups, and um, and I so I would like li- write little anecdotal stories about baseball, and I am, I am a lifetime Yankees fan from the time I was seven years old, and I got my first little golden book about Babe Ruth. I, I just was in love with them then. I lived in Italy at the time, which is where I grew up as a kid and i am um, I thought the Yankees were an Italian baseball team. <laughs> I don't know why, but anyway, it didn't matter. I loved them and um so I started posting um this is uh, <clears throat> I'm old enough to have been there when blogs first started. Um, I was posting some of my base my Yankees baseball stories to the baseball blogs and the Yankees. Contacted me and said, "Would you like to write for the Yankees?" And so I mean, I didn't even I like I panicked because I thought, oh, you know, I'm not worthy. There's no way I'm good enough. But obviously they called me, so they didn't know that I wasn't good enough. And I said yes. <laughs> and um, I I wrote for them for 16 years. Um, I did baseball history, Yankees history, um, interviewed current players, followed scouts, and interviewed um, upcoming players, and I just Umpires. I worked with umpires. I mean, it was it was the best job I've ever had outside of being an aunt. And um, and the only thing is, it the deadlines are grueling. And so for 16 years, I had these like very demanding deadlines on top of my corporate jobs and whatever else I was doing at the time. So I did finally just say, you know, I'm I'm just ready to spend more time on my board and on the bay, and <laughs> I just need to not do this anymore. So I did give it up and um but I had a wonderful time with them. They were so good to me and they they um they're tough on you, but they're fair, especially during Steinbrenner, which people may or may not believe, but that was like the best time to work for them.
0: Well, that's unbelievable. George, during George's let's, George let's talk about best team money can buy. I believe in that. This is America, somebody's gotta be number one, but but they you know when people talk about the Yankees and all that money they spend, everybody's doing it. Baseball's changed. But the thing I like about the Yankees is I think about one, every one out of every four world championships, the Yankees own. And, you know, I mean, they're just best. So if you want to be the best, you know, learn how they do it. But uh, let's talk about Aaron judge just for a second, because okay. I have never seen, I'm going to go back for a second here. One of the main themes that I have with, with everyone that I work with is the, needing to read. Reading is the key. Reading is the key. But I've read box score. I'm going to count it because of an uncle that took me to my first baseball game and said, you've got a gift with numbers. You'll be a great accountant one day. When I was in the second grade, and I said, what's an accountant? So ever since the second grade, I want to be an accountant. But, but no, statistics, learning how to read box scores and knowing statistics, I I, I've read box scores every day of my life because it keeps my mind sharp with mathematics and statistics and analyzing things. But I want to tell you right now that one of the highest awards that a person can get in baseball is the triple crown. That's the highest batting average, the most home runs and the most RBIs. Well, now they've got all these new statistics that I don't use as much like uh, OPS. That's a combination of on base percentage and slugging percentage. I think they call it Aaron judge, he doesn't have the highest batting average, but he's in the top 10 right now. But batting average is not what's most important because that's like you can get up there and make presentations all day long, but never close that contract. That would be a high mm-hmm. batting average to, to, to get a good re- review. But if you don't close the contract, which means score run, knock a run in, be responsible mm-hmm. for the run because you win games by scoring runs. You don't win games by just being real good at it, but you got to score. Aaron Judge right now is number one in OPS. He's also number one in home runs. He's ahead of the Roger Maris. He's got 46 home runs. He's about 12 ahead of of five or six, 10 ahead of the closest guy. He's got 100 RBIs right now. Mm -hmm. He's got the most runs scored. He's got everything except for batting average, and he's in the top 10. And the 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 crazy thing about baseball though is he's gonna get, he'll be he'll be the first half a billion dollar contract at the end of this year from one yeah. team to another. But that's what's bad about baseball is the loyalty there. They jump teams all the time. It's all money and stuff, and it's just a whole new game. Statistics reading. But when I learned that you did that, here's the higher level of why I liked it. You followed your dream. People found you, and and I wanna I wanna give you everybody a piece of the wisdom that we started talking about last week when you're looking for something and you're making presentations and you're asking and you get down in the mouth because too many people have turned you down when you're looking for a job when you get out of prison and 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 people are are just turning you down because for some reason or another they they either know that you're in prison and they don't want to deal with you or you project that you were and you feel kind of like inferior and you shouldn't be but you get kind of down and haggard by being rejected. Well, let me tell you something. The best way in life to be successful is to be so good and so up on what it is that you do that's so good for other people that other people find their way to you. I answered the phone when Cindy called me a couple of days ago, and now I'm learning what she wants to give. So just do what's right and then good things are going to come your way. That's basically what I'm trying to say to you, Cindy, the New York Yankees, who is your favorite player of all time?
1: Well, I have, there's so many, I, I'm not good with award shows, but I will tell you in my top 10, of course, is Lou Gehrig. I, I mean, his story still to this day is heroic. Um, I love Tony Lazeri. He was the first Italian Yankee. Um, and then coming more recent, I mean, I did love Derek Jeter. I absolutely loved Derek Jeter. I thought he was, um, he was an ambassador for baseball in general. And you could tell, by the way, when he exited the game, he was honored by all the teams that he had played against all those years. Um, right now, I do love Aaron Judge. I, um, I, I love, this is a funny, funny one, because no one, everybody thinks that this guy's whole life is about a story. And there's one Yankee who holds an indelible record. No one will ever be able to beat this record. It's Fritz Peterson. He has the lowest ERA in all Yankee Stadium. And I know, you know who Fritz Peterson you know yep. is. So, you know, the story that follows him is not his story. This man is, he has a PhD. He's phenomenal. He's got a great intellect. He's a wonderful guy, wonderful family man, and um And he was a very dedicated baseball player and not, and it wasn't necessarily the best in his day or he wasn't thought of as being the best. Turns out he was, he just, they were too busy watching how he lived his life, which now we look at players and the way they lived their life is probably a million times worse than what he's been pegged for. And um, I'm not going to say what it is because it's, it doesn't bear repeating, but he, um, he really didn't do anything wrong. That's what's so sad about it. But so his story is one of my favorite stories of all of baseball. I love Fritz. Fritz is just a great guy. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's going to make a lot of people want to go out and research him to find out more about him. I want you to know that when I when I went on my honeymoon with Donna and uh, we knew each other for three weeks when I asked her to marry me, we got married two months later. <laughs> you know, you just kind of, kind of go for it, so to speak. But so we, we went to uh, New Jersey uh, and uh, Oak Grove, uh, Ocean Grove, New Jersey for a couple days and stayed there. And then we went into New York for a couple days. And on 4th of July, we'd been, we got married on the 2nd of July. On the 4th of July, we watched, uh, we watched uh, David Wells have the worst outing of his career. And, uh, and so it was on the 4th of July. And I'm a, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. There we are. My honeymoon at the Yankee stadium, my wife was up for that. Okay. Well, he got knocked out at like the second or third inning. And what he did was the coolest thing I've ever seen a baseball player do. As he walked off toward the dugout. I mean, they just hit about three home runs in one inning. I think they scored seven or eight runs against him. It was against Boston too, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it was, it was, it was really bad, but I, i be honest with you, as much as I love the Yankees, I was on my honeymoon, I was okay. And I was, I'll tell you why in a second. But as he walked off, he got to the dugout and he took his glove and he tossed it into the into the stands to the fans and he made his arms and he held his hands out like, hey, I'm sorry, I did the best I could. And then he just tossed his glove and went in. But what what a cool thing. It's like, hey, you know what? Don't get too down on yourself. Uh, but, you know, I'm sorry I did the best I could, shrugged her shoulders and went down into the dugout. We left in the seventh inning. And all, a bunch of my buddies said, man, you Yankee Stadium, fourth of July, left the game early. And I said, I've got my priorities straight. My priorities are straight. You know, my, my wife, my family, that's more important than my Yankees as much as I love them. Hey, so tell me this, though. Um, what is it that got you into really having the heart to want to help? other people?
1: Wow, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was my upbringing. I mean, my parents, um, they've always been, they've always shared everything they've had with everyone, and they um, started a, a mission here. When they, when they moved back to the States, they started a mission for the Appalachian Mountains, and they would um, custom purchase uh, Christmas presents for a community there in Dungan in Virginia, and um they would collect you know gifts from or mostly money and they would do all the shopping and the gift wrapping and the delivering and um they it was called Christmas in the Mountains. I, I don't know I just I grew up in a, in a family that was very giving all the way back to my grandmother during the depression she was one of those women that was out on the street making spaghetti for all the as she say all the poor people well they didn't have any money either but you know it's just I think it's just part of who I am because of who came before me. Honestly, I, it's nothing that I created that's beautiful. But I do like giving people peace of mind. That, that makes me feel good. I love seeing that calm come over people.
0: Well, we've established something here of the 14 things we have in common, trying to help other people have a better life. That's high on my list. Also, you know, you've traveled. That's another, you know, it's all about family. You gave your, gave your family who came before you. That's a beautiful way to say it. So we've established a lot here. I want to get just a couple of these other other things that we have in common out of the way and then talk a little bit more about how people can can take advantage of both me and you. A lot of times when I'm traveling around in prisons across the country, I tell people, you know, just take advantage of what I have to offer. Treat me like a passing ship in the night, and uh, I might not come your way again, so reach back out to me, and that's one thing that we're talking about here. Is I've made the phone call to the Poland Hill Foundation. I I asked my wife to marry me in three weeks. You you got called by the New York Yankees and spent 16 years doing things for them. That should give people hope, encouragement, optimism that if you're doing right in your life, good things are gonna come your way. That's just the bottom line. I quote Joyce Meyer all the time when you don't know what else to do just keep doing what you know is right that's one of my favorite quotes mm-hmm. well I, I said the ship passing through the night that's a good segue you love ships you uh you know in your bio you talk about that you were on the crew of one of those tall ships out of philadelphia the,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the is it the gazella
1: gazella the gazella yeah. of philadelphia
0: well I used to be at CI Travel Cruise International, and I was the president of the Spirit organization in that group. Oh, wow. and, uh, so I have a real nautical background. I owned a marina. I did different things, you know. But so we have that in common. Swim every day. You like to swim Chesapeake Bay. You know, It's mm-hmm. all. this is the first year that I can remember that at the end of July into uh, August here, there are no jellyfish down in Ocean View. And uh, my my daughter moved back from Oregon after being away for 10 years with 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 my grandkids and her husband. And we've been going down Ocean View and it is so nice when there's no jellyfish. It's just wonderful.
1: Yeah, we've seen one jellyfish as, as far as I know here on the bay. I've seen one. It wasn't even in the water, it was on the shore after this, you know, after the storm that's gonna happen. But yeah, it's not it's been great and the water's been warm and it's been really calm. It's I'm I'm sad about this weather because every time we have a rainstorm, we know that the temperature of the bay is gonna drop a couple of degrees. So that's it's hard to say goodbye to summer. I'm not ready yet.
0: The war the water in the ocean the last couple of days has been very cold. Mm-hmm. You get in and you go, ooh, this is like uh early, early uh <laughs> October, maybe. But um, so you went to college in Wisconsin. And I did. so I want to ask you, one of my favorite places that I've ever traveled is is Willow River State Park in Hudson, Wisconsin. Have you ever been there?
1: No.
0: It's got the most magnificent waterfalls there. And uh, yeah, I've been there three times. Uh, I've got prisons uh, that I visit up in uh, up, up that way, and uh, so I stop there and I camp out. And you can climb into these waterfalls, go underneath them when they're coming down, and you could be standing shoulder to shoulder with somebody underneath where the water's coming down, scream as loud as you possibly can, and you cannot hear yourself or the person next to you because of the power, wow. the power of that water. And You can stand up full back in there on the shelf that's in there. And so uh, oh, I love Wisconsin. One last thing that we have in common that I want to point out. Um, I started a business once called Medical Office Automation. And I, uh, and I had a, a billing service that I represented that was a, a high quality billing service and how that works. So can you talk about why that relates to you?
1: <laughs> yes. I um I used to work for two, two medical billing software companies and in Wisconsin. And here I was this girl who grew up on the Mediterranean driving all over the state of Wisconsin, which is funny that you say this about Hudson. I, I thought I knew Wisconsin really well. I traveled all over that state. I, but I, I, when I wasn't working, I was sailing. So I was on the water or, um, even ice sailing anyway, I, um, I, I in the wintertime, I mean, it would snow so bad in Northern Wisconsin, and there was just no way I could get updates to people and this is you know in the nineties, so you know you had to manually install updates because the internet wasn't reliable enough yet and um but it was coming and I, one day I just said there's got to be a better way like this isn't fair to these practices, and I've only worked with small practices um, so I developed a, a platform for um for uh, medical billing for medical practices so that they could log in through the internet and use the software, which now is called software as a service. Um, I developed a piece of software that would reside on that platform. And I built a network of 33 servers and I served um, small practices all over the state of Wisconsin, into Illinois, into Minnesota. And um, I did that for a few years. And then I sold it. um, I sold the company, but it was, it was a great, it was a great world to be in. It was a great time because you could do everything. The internet was just, you know, ramping up and everybody was just jumping on with all these great ideas.
0: Well, I've established what I wanted to today. uh, I've introduced you to my audience and just shown what a, what a, what a, just a beautiful person you are. That's loving, giving, wants to be there for other people. You're about as uh, natural and, um, you know, you're not looking for credit. You're not boasting. But what I want to sum up on that, and then I'd like to spend the next ten or fifteen minutes talking about actual issues that people that are coming out of prison have with their finances that could be avoided, but things that they need help from someone that because it's it's overwhelming. But to sum up, you know, you, I think that everybody's had a chance to to hear you, feel your feel your spontaneity, and and that you're so alive, and that you're giving, and so. You're so accomplished, though. You've had several businesses that you developed from scratch, sold them, been president of some some large companies that recruited you. My book, The New York Yankees Recruiting You, is all you had to tell me that I, I'd vote for you. So, you know, Paul O'Neill, by the way, is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, oh, and,
1: well, you know, he was just inducted into their Hall of Fame.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I love him as an announcer, but, but, you know, the biggest thing that he did that just meant so much to me. Uh, his, his nickname's the Warrior, and uh, he had his he had his friends out there in right field where he went. I read a I read a book, uh, my dad and me. It's a, it's his uh, autobiography, and he talks about how his dad taught him baseball. And um, the day that his father died, he played that day. And and a lot of people said, How on earth could you play the day that your father died? I mean, you know, emotionally, how could you do that? And he said, you know, there's no place on the earth that I feel more comfortable. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> there's no place on the earth that I feel more comfortable than out there in right field. My dad taught me baseball and it was like he was just connected with his dad that day. And yeah. so I, I just love Paul O'Neill. And, but, I, but I like him because he went beyond baseball and, and became, you know, such a great announcer, uh, sportscaster and so forth, you know, for, with the Yankees there so now that's enough all that kind of stuff my main thing was i wanted people to get to know more about you well let's let's talk about about the problems that people have with their finances and when you when you caught me up <clears throat> my life's coming full circle coming around where it's supposed to be because you came to my foundation and i certainly hope and i know that we can i can right now you've you've Given me permission to offer your services to people. And in your, in your email to me, the only thing that you asked for was that I would qualify people so that you don't have a thousand people calling you up saying, Hey, you, you got, you're going to help me. Well, first of all, one thing that we have to always keep in mind for those of you that are listening, when I've been in prisons 500 times, there's a lot of people that want a quick answer, want a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And 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 I have to tell you, you know, I have a lot of uh, a lot of information in my curriculum on uh, it's all character based, by the way. My whole program is character based character and integrity, um, people that just want to do something. That's not enough. You have to you have to be the person that you want to be. And otherwise, other people aren't going to be there for you. And so with what we're saying here is however you got yourself in trouble financially, When you went to prison it got worse because you couldn't pay your bills you didn't have an income your tax you know if if you got if you owned a small business and your payroll taxes got behind those penalties and interest is the number one crippler in business Mm -hmm. payroll taxes for all of you that want to start your own business no matter what else you do make sure you keep them completely straight it's so easy to be short on cash and oh well i won't make my payroll tax deposit uh, I'll use that because I'm going to get a, a a check in next week, and I'll make my payment next week. No, that money is not yours, and it's right. a it's a criminal offense to 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 shirk your fiduciary responsibility by using withholdings from your employees that pays their taxes. You know the government's pretty smart. They use withholding to uh, to get all of us to sort of pay most of our taxes or all of our taxes along the way, so that we don't get too far behind. Remember that in life. You don't want to get too far behind financially because uh-huh. some, some circumstance might, might make it to where you, uh, you're not going to get caught up when you thought you were, and then your situation is going to get worse. Why don't you speak to that theme for a minute about how people have gotten themselves in, in, uh, in, in trouble with the, the IRS or the state taxing authorities and, and what they have to go through and how you help them right their ship?
1: We hit the nail right on the head. I mean, getting behind, nobody wants to play catch up. If you end up coming, getting a windfall of $10,000, let's say, the last thing you want to do is pay old debts, right? You're thinking I want to buy a, a new motorcycle or whatever. You, so never get behind. That's huge. But when um, businesses do get behind or even individuals, when when you get behind on your bills and especially your tax bills, there's a new pressure on you. and, and, grows by the day so the first thing I do is I take I take charge so I take over as their representative and that that right there stops the clock on some things like levies um, um, garnishments anything like that is ceased as soon as you have a professional involved in your case so you want to have that that person standing up for you you do have to do what they say though I mean you have to follow through with your professional Um, Like you said, there's no quick fix. And those cases take 12 to 18 months to resolve sometimes, but at least the clock is stopped. And that's what matters. I mean, it keeps you from incurring more debt. Um, And then the next thing I do is I assess the client, I look at their finances, I, I help them to, you know, find their best course of action, and then I put it into play for them. And negotiate with the irs sometimes i can negotiate all of their penalties away sometimes i can actually do an offer and compromise and get the majority of their their penalties and and their back taxes abated so it's it's about timing i mean this the quicker you work on it the, the better and the less you owe the easier it is to resolve um, but that's what i bring to the table mostly is when you have a professional you have a representative with the irs they're they're going to work with you a little better. They're going to um, they're gonna you're, they're not gonna take your word for it that you're gonna pay them. So if you're facing garnishment or a levy, you you have to have a professional involved. Otherwise, the clock doesn't stop, and they're not gonna stop. Um, but that's that's it. I like to give that piece of cotton. As soon as you sign that form, you have this like instant sense of I I, I take on like this great feeling of responsibility, but the person who signs the form for me, they get to have that peace of, of mind that it's you know it's going to be resolved. Like they that's like a big step for someone. Um it's a commitment on both sides, theirs and mine.
0: That's that's professionally said. Um so sometimes if you need help and you really want to do it yourself, you just don't have the tools, the ability to navigate through. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. And As long as you honor your commitments and live up to your word, um, you can work yourself through anything that you're you're going through. Um, A lot of people that are in prison, some of them are still making money because they have investments and they have different things. You still have to file taxes. Mm -hmm. People don't understand this, though. I've been talking to a few people the last couple of days on the subject, and You know, a lot of people think, okay, a person's been convicted of a crime, they're in prison for 10 years. They think that, oh, okay, so the government's just going to hold them like, okay, they're not regular citizens anymore. They don't have to file their taxes. They don't, you know, if they owe money, it's just going to sit there and wait till they get out. No, no. And I'll give you another example that's right there next to income taxes. If you owe alimony and child support and you go to prison, you're going to build up quite a debt. And when you get out, you're going to have more debt than you can imagine because you got late payments on everything, your credit's gone, and it's going to take a while. It can be totally overwhelming. And I can tell you that people that come out and go back in that recidivate, their financial issues where they have a hard time getting a job, they have a hard time making adjustments. So what you need to do, and I'm going to ask you, Cindy, to speak to this for a second because I know you must have some thoughts if a person has gotten themselves in all these troubles, what's your advice to try to help them change the way they think, change the way they're operating, change their behavior, develop new habits so that they learn from their previous mistakes, turn over a new leaf? I could probably say it about 14 more times though, but in other words, sometimes. I'll leave it with this. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. So tell me about how you get them to change their behavior so that once you help them straighten it out, it doesn't happen all over again.
1: So most people get to that point because they've ignored their debts. They've ignored their taxes, whatever the situation is. So the first thing I always advise people to do is face it. So we sit down, we write out all of their bills, how late they are, what they still owe. You know what is going to cost them? How much they make? How much of it can be applied to, you know, in a real life situation? Where I'm not asking people not to feed their children, but how, you know, how much can you apply to these bills? How long it'll take to pay it off? And how can you make more money? And that's the thing is, how, what can you do proactively to better that situation? And the people I have helped who I've seen do that, um, just that that sense of satisfaction, you know, they always say like you have to do something for yourself the minute you wake up in the morning, like make your bed or what have you. This is a million times better than that. Paying your bills on time or starting to pay back uh, back payments or past due amounts. That's a gigantic sense of satisfaction that people don't get awards for. So, you know, it's nice to have someone like us involved so we can pat them on the back and let them know that they're doing a great job. But, But just knowing that you're doing it is a great job. So first and foremost, face face what it is that you're what what you have going in front of you. Don't turn your back on it. Don't ignore it. Don't downplay it. Don't think it's going to go away. And and then start developing a plan. And and I step in there and help them develop that plan to get those past due payments caught up. And and sometimes I'll even help them make phone calls to negotiate. You know, some some lenders will take um they'll do extensions. They'll take a couple of payments and tack them onto the back of the loan. It's not Perfect for your credit score, but neither is not paying your bills. So it's better to do that and then catch up on those payments and your credit score will come back. It'll bounce right back. But you have to just, you know, I'll work with them on that. Or you can, some people will make their own phone calls, but some people just don't have it in their hearts. I don't know why. They just give up. That's the thing. They they just
0: give up. Well, for for a lot of people, the IRS is like, huh? Ah! Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, because yeah. they, they just don't know how to, you know, they're afraid of the IRS. But I have to okay. tell you this, a lot of a lot of my clients over the years, and I've been doing it for over 50 years now, a lot of my clients, they, they don't understand where I'm coming from at first. But I'll say it like this. It costs money for the United States government to support and protect us. Mm-hmm. We have to have national defense. We have to have a, a, all kinds of things. Our government's budget is raised through taxes. And so I love paying taxes, but it's okay to minimize how much you have to pay. I don't want to have people get into tax fraud and and push the envelope further than they should. But the bottom line is, is that if we accept that we're American citizens and we're doing our fair share by paying taxes properly, then we're contributing to society. And that's really what we all are supposed to be here for. We're going to bring it to an end if it's okay now, but I want to I want to give you a chance, Cindy, to to talk about anything you'd like to do as parting words of wisdom. Uh, I'm going to say this though: you and I are saying the same message. We're beating the same drum from a different way. It's all about accepting responsibility. It's all about honoring your commitment, doing what you say you're going to do. And there's a little 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 phrase here that I don't. I wrote it down while you were talking. Waste not, want not. Mm. If you start handling your personal budgets and realize I didn't need that. You can, in other words, there, you have you have so much money that you don't even know you're wasting. That if you got a handle on how your own spending habits are causing you a problem, there's so many things that you can do without that you don't need. Right. And so, bottom line is, we both do exactly the same thing in that respect. And it's a it's a real pleasure to have you want to work a little bit through my foundation to see if there's some people that we can help. Why don't you? Why don't you kind of summarize whatever you'd like to, and then I'll close it down.
1: I, I wanted to respond to something you said about people being afraid of the IRS. I, they are scary because they have a lot of power over us, but they do have programs that will help people. So it's not um, it's not the end of the world. And they understand that people have problems and that things don't go the way that people expect. And And they have ways of helping you to remediate that. Usually it requires a professional, unfortunately, but Not unfortunate for me, but unfortunate for people who can't afford it. But that's why I do some of that pro bono work. Because I really like to help people get back on track. Um, To your waste, not, want, not, you know what my saying is? The longer it takes, the more it costs.
0: Oh, yeah. And That, that
1: applies to everything. It's not just monetary cost.
0: That's beautiful. Well, Cindy, I left out one thing that I wanted to bring out about your wonderful giving, loving Self that you've got for all of you listening this is a major population that Cindy is she loves working with this particular segment of the population and now as she's reached out to right thinking foundation to get into the uh, into the incarceration world Cindy has done a tremendous amount of pro bono work helping veterans she has the largest heart bigger than her body for the work she does with veterans and so Cindy There are a tremendous amount of veterans that are coming out of prison. And that's a population that, that I know you have, that you've done a lot of work with. So if you're listening and you have a family member that's incarcerated, that's a veteran, you've got somebody here right now that wants you to reach out because Cindy wants to help you. I want to help you. And for me, this is just a, a wonderful thing that that you've come to me, Cindy, because I want to grow the resources that I have with Right Thinking Foundation. I want to reach more people. And and so we do it together. So Cindy, you, you've just been wonderful. I wanna I wanna just say this right now. Anybody that has heard the show that has anybody in mind that could benefit from, from talking to Cindy. The best way to do that is to contact me through my website, rightthink.org, and, and I will I will correspond with you, and I will pass your information over to Cindy, and then either Cindy or I will reach out to you and go to the next step. And so we're here for you. Um, we love you. We want to be there to help you readjust and have a, have a good life. Cindy, you've just been wonderful, and I just want to say this. This is John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Doesn't need any more explanation than what we just talked about. Cindy, thank you for who you are. Thanks for reaching out to me. Thanks for being on the show. God bless you.
1: Thanks, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. It was wonderful to be here.
0: Oh, it's it's been wonderful. I, I know everybody's going to love you. So thank you for listening to everyone. And just we're here for you. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Right Thinking with Steve Copeland. I look forward to being with you again next week. And remember, don't quit, plan ahead. It will get better. God bless you and have a great week.